Well, let's get started this morning. We're going to continue our series called Simple. Would you say simple? And uh, we are in week two of uh, this series, and, uh, and I'm excited about what the Lord's doing, and I appreciate some of the uh, feedback from, from last week with regard to where we're going. I love how God can really move in the simple. He really can, and, and a lot of times, uh, at least in my life, uh, the simpler things are, the more, the, the more clear I can see, uh, the clearer I can see uh, what, what the Lord is trying to do and what he's trying uh, to say. So we're continuing our, our, our series simple. Today is going to be week two. We're going to talk about God's ultimate plan made simple. God's ultimate plan made simple. And we're drawing from Paul's uh, letter from, uh, to the Colossians. And I encouraged you last week, uh, if you want to stay in step with us, to read the book of Colossians every week for the next six weeks. It's only four chapters. I encourage you to get in. Somebody messaged uh, me and a group of guys on, uh, on Facebook saying, I read Colossians and it was awesome awesome. You know, it, it is awesome. There, there is some truth there that you need to grab a hold of, and it, and it will be really good uh, for you to do. Imagine, it's kind of like preparing for uh, getting prepared before you come to church. You know, what would it look like if you actually did some, uh, some, some prep work before you got here? That's a, a novel idea, right? Uh, so we're drawing from Paul's letter to the Colossians, and Paul's writing this letter in prison. Epaphras has come and said, hey, uh, the Church of Colossae is being introduced to some new ideas, some new theology. And Paul writes this letter to the Church of Colossae. And he's, I love what Paul does in this letter because he doesn't outright, at least at the beginning, say, let me show you everything you're doing wrong. Let me put a mirror in front of your face and say, this is what you're messing up. This is how you're, you're going the wrong way. Uh, but instead, he says, uh, he reminds them of truth that they already no, he reminds them of simple truths that they already, already know. Oh, that we would be a people that instead of looking at others and putting a mirror in front of their face and saying, this is what you're doing wrong, that we would point out the truth that they already know in their heart. The truth that they've already been told, the truth about who they are and whose they are. And so um, uh, uh, Paul is writing this letter to the Colossians and he's, he's reiterating things that they already know. And so we're gonna continue in this, in, in, this, in this letter. Last week, we talked about uh, theology. Theology made simple. Theology is, is simply the belief or, or the study of God. And, and we talked about the foundation of our, our theology should be really God is love. God is love is the foundational piece of our theology, what we believe about, about God. Now, God is many, many, many things, but chief among those things is this. God is love. It is the fundamental baseline of the Christian faith. God is many things, chief among them, he is, he is love. And because of his love, because of his love, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Guys, this is good news. This is good news. We have been rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of who? The son he loves. So today we're gonna to talk about God's ultimate plan made simple. So would you stand? We're gonna continue in this letter to the Colossians. Let's read. The son is the image of the invisible God 
the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is alive it is active and it is true. I ask Lord today that my words would fall to the ground and that as your word goes forth, God, it would change lives for eternity. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. I love when things are made clear. I love when things are made clear. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody's trying to communicate something to you and they go all over the place and they don't really get to the main point? They don't really get to the main thing, the main subject, the main theme of what's going on. And you kind of have to decipher and kind of go through what it is that they're trying to communicate to you to try to figure out what is it that you're trying to say. Do you ever want to look at somebody and say, just say what you mean? Just say what you mean, right? And uh, some, some spouses are laughing at each other. Yeah, so I love when things are made, are made clear. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm in leadership positions and sometimes people will come to me, groups sometimes will come to me, families will come to me, uh, married, married people will come to me uh, and they want clarity. They're looking for clarity. And, and usually while uh, they're going through all of this list of things, you know, you have the privilege of coming in and just saying, okay, I hear all of this, but this is the issue. This is the main thing that you need to focus on. And when you focus on that and that's made clear, all the other stuff kinds of tends to fade away, tends to, tends to disappear. I love when things are clear. One of the people in my life that does a f phenomenal job of just bringing clarity to situations is Jeremy Jones. And, um, what I've been in, in, in multiple situations where Jeremy goes into a space and uh, he just has this gift and this ability to take the superfluous information and set it aside and say, no, let's focus on this. This is the main thing. This is the main uh, idea. I remember when Margaret was in the hospital and, uh, and you know, we were, uh, we were in the emergency um, 
room and in the hospital and in, and the critical care and all of that. And the doctors would make their rounds and uh, they would come and the, the doctors would come and they would use all of this medical vocabulary and all this jargon. And boy, were we not so glad to have Jeremy there who could get all of that information and turn around and simplify it so that we could understand. Um, it's nice to have people that can simplify things so that you can understand what they're trying to say, what the actual meaning is. And here's the, here's the point I want us to draw from. The point is, is that simplicity brings clarity. Simplicity will bring clarity. There are so many things in our lives that are so complex. And if we would just get to the simple heart of the matter, we would be clear with what it is that we're trying to do or trying to accomplish. And so last week we talked about not all things that are simple are, are easy, right? Well, this week I want to talk a little bit about simplicity brings clarity. Has anybody bought a house? Anybody bought a house? Okay, yes. That long major contract that they bring into you with all of that fine print, uh, it's nice to have somebody that's sitting with you, right? To say, this is what you're signing. This is what this means, right? Um, sim for somebody to, to, to make it simple for you, uh, brings it to a point of clarity for you so that you can sign and, and get, get on with it. Any dads in the house ever have to build something and you pull out this instruction manual uh, for it? I've, bought, I've purchased many a toy uh, that I have gotten very frustrated over because it, in the picture online or at the store, it looks beautiful and it's well built. But boy, when I get it and it comes in this box this size and I pull out a thick instruction manual this big and I don't understand where the screw number A, letter A is and how it connects to, to, to bolt uh, B and all of these things. Uh, it just could drive you up, but simple. Take this and do this, right? Take this and put this here. Clar it brings clarity and we like clarity. What about when somebody's trying to give you driving directions? Right? Have you ever met, what about those people who have memorized every highway number there is known to man? I need you to go up US 71, take a left on 231, go up to I-40 West, get off on the ramp there. Then you're gonna go up to mile marker 08, get off there, turn to two, no. Tell me, go to the McDonald's, turn left. There's going to be a big statue of a giraffe. You like giraffes, right? Turn right at the giraffe, go around the circle, and then you're going to see a big purple building. Look for the purple building, not the gold one, but the purple building, and your destination is right there on the right. That's how you give me directions, okay? Simplify it for me, okay? Simple, it brings clarity. It gets me to where I need to go. Simplicity brings clarity. Simplicity brings clarity. And it's great to have people in your life who can make things simple enough to bring clarity. Clarity brings understanding. Clarity brings a level of peace. But even within the midst of clarity, when you're on the outside looking in, when you see something as clear as a, a clear glass, as clear as day, they say, right? If you see something so clear and somebody next to you is not getting it, it can bring a certain level of frustration. It can be, bring a certain level of frustration all throughout the Old Testament. God meets with his people and he says, I brought you out of Egypt. I split the Red Sea. I provided for you in the wilderness. He says all these things over and over. If you will obey my commands, I will hand these people over to you. If you will obey my commands, I will be your God. I will be with you. I will be for you. If you obey my, what did he say? What did he mean? 
And, 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 and as a reader on this side, though I'm so subject, right? I'm so, I'm so subject to doing that exact thing of just having it so clear in front of me, but turning the other way. But as a reader on the other, I'm sick of reading it all over. I'm like, guys, get it together. Israelites, get it together. But guys, we do it all the time. I'm sure God's looking at me saying, Kevin, you get it together. I've told you over and over and over and over again, this is how A plus B equals C. Do this do this and this will happen. Do this, do this, this. It's simple. And simplicity brings clarity. But the reason that we don't have clarity and the reason that it's not as simple as it should be is because we like to be in control. And as I told you last week, the more control we have, the more complex things become. The more control we are of our, in, in of our lives, the more complex things become. I like to be in control of my life. I like to be in control of my life. I've been married for 11 years. Been married to this hot lady for 11 years. And, um, and we, don't, we don't fight very often. We really don't. Over 11 years, I mean, we don't, we don't fight very often. Almost every single time, every single time we fight, if I look back and evaluate it, it's because I wanted to be in control. It's because I was being selfish. It's because I put my needs above hers. Simplicity brings clarity. Do you realize how much in life, how much in life we have uh, that we get to be in control of, that we get to make decisions about, and we get, to, um, we get to decide what we want and what we, we don't want. In our daily life, there are so many things that we get, to, we get to be in control of that we get to say, hey, I want this or I want that, right? So many decisions that we can make. Can you all see over there? I'm gonna push this up a little bit, okay? In our daily life, like for instance, first thing in the morning, is it gonna be Lucky Charms or Fruit Loops? What is it, Lucky Charms or Fruit Loops? Okay. Lucky charms, okay? These are important things, okay? Important things that we get to be in control of, that we get to decide. What about mayonnaise or Miracle Whip? Hey, only one of these are supernatural, okay? Here we go, listen. Okay, Coke or Pepsi? I mean, these are important things, guys. We get to be in control of, we get to make these decisions, right? Android or Apple? Yeah. Goodness gracious. Look at all these important choices that we get to make. Goodness. I hope you're making the right choices. Bama or Tennessee? Okay. Now, it's not my intent to cause controversy here in the church house this morning. Okay. Stay up late or wake up early. Yeah. All of these important all of these important decisions that we get to make in our life, wait for others or have others wait for you? Oh, wait, wait. Uh, uh. Oh, some of you said, oh, I'm, not, I'm done, I'm done. I don't know what's coming next, but I'm done. Yeah, 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 yeah. Facebook or FaceTime? Somebody said FaceTime while they were on Facebook, right? Right? So we have all of these important decisions to make, all of these things that we get to decide 
what we want to do and it's in our daily life, but somehow we've been fooled into believing that when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our, our, our faith, when it comes to our Christian walk, we act as if we're not also trying to be in control because you see, we also like to control and make decisions about uh, where we're gonna go to church. Let's talk about this. Do you know in Tennessee, there's a church on every corner, every street. You can have every brand, any flavor that you want, right? We can customize this thing for you, okay? Let's look at it. Small church or large church, what you want, okay? Want a small church or a large church? Do we want morning service or evening service? Have your choice, have your pick, okay? Let's see what else we can be in control of. Sunday best or casual dress? Have your, have your choice. There's churches that have all different sorts of things online or in person. Man, isn't it convenient that you can do this any way that you want to do? Slept in late this morning, so I'll just stay in line and not go to the church house. Coffee, no coffee. That's a game changer for some of us, right? Traditional or contemporary, right? Fed spiritually or not fed at all, right? I want a church that can be in and out or plugged in, right? I want my pastor in a suit and tie or in skinny jeans. It's a determining factor for some people on whether they choose the church, right? But that's funny because, you know, we can go and, you know, we're laughing about that because, it, you know, that has to do with the church and the building and all that stuff. So it's a little bit distant, but we also tend to do this when it comes to our worship. Let's look at this, right? Oh, we got quiet. Come on now. Y'all were, y'all were excited about mayonnaise and Miracle Whip. Come on now. <laughs> the worship's too loud. It's too soft. Which one do you want? Would you want loud? Do you want soft? Um, there's some churches that do it loud. Churches do it soft, right? Let's see what else. Oh, I want hymns of old. That's really where the spiritual stuff is, not the new songs, right? Dancing, no dancing. Communion every week, communion on special services. Few songs, open-ended songs with no end time. Low and dim lights for specials. All lights up and no special effects. I want my worship pastor in skinny jeans. All of this is customizable. All of this stuff that we're looking at is customizable and you can choose what church you're gonna go to, what, what uh, worship service you're gonna go to, how you want your worship, how you want to live your life because guess what? We like to be the king of our life and we also like to be the king of our Christianity. We like to be in the seat driving the train because we feel that we deserve a customized menu of what we would like to see in the menu when it comes to serving our Lord. God, I'm gonna give you my life if it fits with my style. God, I'm gonna worship you and I'm gonna give you my life when it fits within the things that I like. And I'm hopeful that I'll find some other people that will ride with me because those people who like mayonnaise instead of Miracle Whip, don't want anything to do with them, Right? And if you come and you mess up my role and try to interject something into the mix that's not on my checklist, 
I'll just leave and go somewhere else and find it the way I want it because it's like Burger King, have it my way. It's not about you. First line, opening line of Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. It's not about you. I remember getting that book, getting excited about it, everybody talking about it. I opened it up. It said, it's not about you. I set that book down. <laughs> that's, that's, a true, that's actually a real true story. I set the book down because I was like, wait a second, Lord, I'm not ready for this ride. It's not about you. This is a simple truth that brings clarity to all of this. This is a simple truth that brings clarity to everything. And this is what Paul is trying to explain to the Colossians. When people come in and they introduce these new ideas, these new ways of thinking, when you get introduced to all of the ways you can do all of this stuff, guess what? At the bottom and the core of it, it's not about you. It's not about you. And so Paul is reminding them of this. He says, the son is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all of these things, not some of them, all of these things have been created through him and for him. Would you say for him? He is above, I'm sorry, he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. It is not about you. It is not about me. And so when we look at somebody saying, hey, I'm going to talk to you about God's ultimate plan. When I say to you, hey, today's topic is God's ultimate plan because we are so conditioned to be in the middle that everything is about me. We think automatically God's ultimate plan for my life. God's ultimate plan for me. God's ultimate plan and how it affects me. But I'm here to tell you today that God's ultimate plan is to exalt Jesus. God's ultimate plan is not, it's for you. There are bits that are for you, but God's ultimate plan is not about you. God's ultimate plan is to exalt his son, Jesus. And we should get so excited. We should be so excited about the opportunity to be participants in the story of exalting Jesus Christ. We should be getting so excited instead of walking in and being complaining that the free coffee bar was cold, right? Or that the worship music was too loud, right? Or I didn't like how they addressed this or the way that this person looked or all of that stuff. We need to be able to look and see in the see that the purpose, the clarity, the simplistic truth is that it's all about him. It's all about him. It's not about all of this, all of this stuff. I like to be in control of my life. There's a lot of things I like to travel. There's certain foods that I like. And at the center of my life, you know, I, I get the tendency to put all, plop all of those things right in the center. My family even, my wife, right in the, at the center of my life. But most of the time, the person who is in the center of Kevin O'Day's life is Kevin O'Day. And every time that happens, things go wrong. 
every time that happens, relationships suffer. Do you realize that whenever, 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 well, let me say it this way. When Kevin O'Day is in the center, all the things of the world prosper, but all the things that matter for eternity suffer. Relationships suffer, right? My, my, my fruits of the spirit, they, they suffer, right? Because I'm constantly looking at myself. Listen, God has a plan for your life, right? God, God does have a plan for your life. And Justin did a fantastic job this morning communicating about God's plan for our life. But I believe that the starting point, if you're really trying to say, okay, God, what is your will for my life? What's your plan for your life? Is you need to understand that at the end of the day, his ultimate plan is to exalt Jesus. And if you start there, then everything starts to filter and all that superfluous stuff starts to go away, right? All of that stuff starts to take a back seat. All of that, all of that minutia and detail and all of those, all of those things. There's a story in the Bible uh, of, of, of Mary and Martha. You guys familiar with Mary and Martha? And, and, and Jesus is visiting over at the house and Mary is sitting there at Jesus's feet and she's just gleaning from him, just gleaning from him. And Martha is running around doing all sorts of things, getting more and more and more frustrated. Why? She's getting so frustrated, not because things aren't getting done, but because she's not, she's not being helped by her sister Mary. Why do I have to do all of this stuff to serve you, Jesus, right? But my sister Mary doesn't have to help. And Jesus says, Martha, 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 right? You're not focused on the right thing. This is simple. All of those details and everything you're doing are clouding what's most important right in front of you. I'm right here. And some of us, some of us are so busy trying to serve him. We're so busy trying to cross the T's and dot the I's and do all of this stuff and make sure this is right, not necessarily just for us, but for other people too that we forget the simplicity of the main point. It's to exalt Jesus. It's to exalt Jesus. It's to exalt Jesus. God's ultimate plan may be for you, but it's not about you. Colossians 1.8, and he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything, Jesus might have the supremacy. In Hebrews, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by Jesus's powerful word. And he, Jesus, has provided purification for sins. Jesus sat at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. In Philippians, God exalted who? Who? God exalted Justin. No, God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Why? That every name, at, uh, that every name at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. When I'm sitting in control of my life, I want to bring glory to myself. But when I abdicate this seat and I surrender this seat to him, I bring glory to him. Everything becomes about him. Everything is filtered through him. And I realized that most of this stuff doesn't even matter. None of this stuff really matters. God's ultimate plan is to exalt Jesus. When you get saved, what does that mean? When you give your heart to Jesus, it is not about going to heaven. 
I hate to bust your bubble. Heaven is a wonderful place to be. Heaven is a bonus package. And I believe the scripture talks a, a, a little bit about heaven and there's some really great things to expect when you get to heaven. But the reason you give your life to the Lord is so that you can be with him. It is about him. Your salvation story is about him. Everything about your salvation in your life is about him. It's about exalting him. What do you think it's gonna be like when you get up there to heaven? High five Jesus and walk around and say, okay, let me grab some of my treasure to build myself a house. The Bible talks about Matthew, about, um, about storing up treasure in heaven. You know what you're gonna do with that treasure when you get to heaven? It's not, you're not going to the bank to get a payout. I'm not gonna be standing next to, to, to James saying, James, you got that much trouble. Look at my treasure. It's not gonna be anything like that. No, you know what it's gonna be? Boy, I hope, I've, I hope I've stored up so much treasure so they have to shut heaven down because of everything that I'm going to be laying at Jesus's feet. I don't want to be lacking when I get there, when I see him in his radiance and it's time for us to exalt him. And I've got a few little pieces of gold scrapped up because my life was spent on this stupid stuff. Are you with me? But instead, my life was about exalting him because when we get there, let me tell you something, we're gonna really want to praise. You you gonna talk about a praise party? You wanna talk about worship? You wanna talk, wait till we get up there with him. It's going down and everybody's gonna participate and we're gonna be shoveling so much treasure at Jesus' feet. Why? Because he is worthy. He is worthy of all of it. I am so excited to get there to honor my Lord Jesus. And when we get there, we will get to honor him. It's not gonna be about us. It's going to be about him. And here's the wonderful thing of this entire, this entire uh, principle, this entire simplistic thing, that while at the same time, why God wants to exalt Jesus, while everything is about him, in Jesus, all things hold together. So here's what's so wonderful about it. While it's not about you, right? While it's not about you, he still wants to hold every little detail of your life together. While it's not about you, he still cares and loves you enough to take every broken piece of your shattered life and put it together. Why? Why? Why would he care so much that little poor Kevin is broken and, and he'd want to put all of this together? Because he is perfecting me to look more and more like him. He's perfecting me to look more and more like him so I can be in a place, right? I can be at a place where whenever I look, I can say, God, I'm going to give you all the glory. I'm going to give you all the praise. Everything that's going on in my life, I'm going to completely exalt you. This is for you. The reason that Kevin O'Day likes to be the center of his life it's because I like to be in control and I take the reins and when things start spinning out of control, I go crazy and I don't know where to go and I don't know what to do. God has given me a way out because he has saved me from the dominion of darkness. I can, if I'm the king of my life, I'm nearing in some darkness. I can be a king of my own darkness, right? But he has saved me from the dominion of darkness and he has put me in the kingdom of the son he loves so that he can put things that are not right back together the right way. Worship team, would you come out here? He holds everything together. Jesus, not you, not your circumstances, but Jesus holds everything together.
And if you will surrender to him, the Bible, I believe that you're able to experience a glimpse of heaven on earth because of this Jesus who lives in your heart and is a part of your life. When you, when you get saved, you begin to be a part of the kingdom at that moment. Not when you die, but at that moment. And so the peace that passes understanding, it's available right now. The healing that only he can do, it's available right now. The, 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 the provision that you're needing, it's available right now. You begin to tap into things because as a citizen of heaven, those things are, you didn't work for them, you didn't earn them. It's because we exalt Jesus and he freely, liberally gives those things to us because he cares about you. Remember last week, God is love. I wasn't kidding. He really does love you. He is really for you, not against you. So this supremacy of Christ being on the throne is because he has the answers to everything that you need. Every problem you can bring, he's got an answer to. And it's not complex, it's simple. Most of the time it's simple. What he's asking you to do is sacrifice and abandon all of your confusion and all of the things you're bringing to the table. Let those go and let him do the work. Let him do the talking. Let him give you the word. God is so, so good. Many of you know, I talked about my wife a second ago, but this is my oldest daughter, Hadassah, the older one in the picture there. And um, I've said this story before, but um, Hadassah is our first child. And when we got to the hospital to have her, Sherry was in labor for 40, more than 40 hours. And uh, it was grueling. Sherry decided to have her naturally. If you've ever had a baby naturally, I know I haven't, but uh, if you have had a baby naturally, it's, uh, it's, it's painful. And uh, Sherry felt like that's what the Lord told her to do. You know, there's, there's, uh, that's not any indictment on anybody doing something else. That's just what Sherry felt like she needed to do. And so she had the baby naturally and it was 40 hours and I, I got to be willingly and unwillingly a participant in some of that, you know. Uh, <laughs> but every, every, like clockwork, every minute and a half, the contraction would come and it was painful. It was brutal, straight on hours and hours and hours and hours. And so we go through that whole process and, and we're worn out. Obviously she's more worn out than I was, but she, you know, worn out. And it's time for the baby to come. And guys, I can't tell you a more beautiful moment. If you're parents, you understand than when Hadassah comes and arrives on the scene. And I'm just looking at Hadassah and just it that you never knew you had just appears out of nowhere when you see your baby for the first time. And so the baby's born and Stephanie uh, Meek was in the room with us and she cuts the umbilical cord and they hand the baby to me. And in a matter of seconds, as I'm looking at Hadassah's eyes, all of these alarms start going off. And I look over and there is so much blood coming out of Sherry that they've had to remove an entire tarp and bring another one in. And I'm looking at that and I'm, and I'm, and I'm just in the moment mesmerized by Hadassah, but at the same time, all these alarms going off and all of a sudden they come and grab the baby and all of these people in white jackets run in and I get shoved up against the window. And in the same moment when I'm in awe of something that has new, that has been gifted to me, in that same moment, I'm confronted with, is my wife dying? 
and they're using all of the medical terms and all of these things that I start to get afraid and I get in that corner and I remember the moment I started to say, God, you are sovereign. God, you are sovereign. No matter what happens in this moment, you are sovereign. You are sovereign. God, you are sovereign. No matter what happens in this moment, you are sovereign. You are sovereign. And I just kept saying that over and over and over again. And thankfully, she came out on the other side, okay, but I need you to know that my prayer was genuine in that moment, that had she not made it, he still would have been sovereign. Nothing changes about his sovereignty based on our circumstances. And I realized in that moment, as I reflected back on those moments, that my prayer could have been, save her God. It could have been, heal her Lord, be with the doctors, all that. But all I could muster up in my being was, God, you are sovereign. You are sovereign. Guys, may we get into any circumstance, whether it's tragic or not, and we are able to say, God, you are sovereign no matter what happens in this moment. You are sovereign, God. I trust you so much as the breather of stars, as the creator of the universe, as the creator of my life, that you are sovereign. And your sovereignty is not dependent on the circumstance that happens here. No matter if it's bad for me, no matter if it's good. God's ultimate plan is to exalt Jesus. God's ultimate plan is to exalt Jesus. It is all about Him. But even in that, He holds it all together. Every bit of our brokenness. Would you stand with me this morning? There are people in this room, if you're gonna pray, come on down. I believe there are people in this room, your marriage is broken relationships are broken, workplace and environment broken, maybe even your relationship with the Lord broken, circumstances around you broken and you don't know what to do. And some of us have been in this seat trying our best to hold it together, hold it together. How many times in my life have I tried to hold it all together until I just fail and I give up? Today would be the day for you to give up and to allow the one who's going to be exalted anyway to take the reins of your life and do something miraculous because he's the one who holds it all together. If that's you today and you need prayer, come down here today and do some business with the Lord. He holds it together. He holds your life. He's for you, not against you. This breather of stars, you come. Let's worship.